98 bands, juvenile flow. Girl, put me at the crib, moving out flow. You know I'm really with the shits, what you know, though. The block getting real hot, cool it down, whoa. Yeah, so I'm right here, what you want to Hey, Shivani Janaki Patel, Miss India, Florida. Um, you know, thank you for joining our show today, the Healthy Nip Podcast underscore. You're currently pursuing a double postgraduate degree at the University of Florida and studying to be a dual licensed marriage and family counselor and mental health counselor. Uh, along with being a full-time student, you're working full-time as a crisis intervention consultant where you provide support and assistance to individuals facing crisis situations. Um, so that being said, Shivani, what made you chase the dream of pursuing on becoming a crisis intervention consultant and what makes you, uh, currently motivated to chase that dream of yours? Yeah. So crisis intervention consulting kind of came to me as an opportunity when I started my counseling program at UF. Um, I saw it as a way for me to gain more experience, become more exposed to different situations. Cause basically as a, like as a crisis intervention consultant, I'm helping like deescalate difficult situations and it can range from like um, individuals facing like self-harm, suicidal ideation and other things related to mental health. So uh, crisis intervention consulting is just kind of like a, uh, a short term job. Like I'm not pursuing this for long-term work. Maybe I might become a crisis counselor in the future, but as of right now, this is just a job um, on the side that my school has uh, offered to people who are in undergrad or graduate uh, programs here. So with that being said, like I, what led me to pursue counseling in general is because I've just been very empathetic and I'm very much a people person. So I loved being around people and having personally um, struggled with mental health um, related issues. I think that it's a great way for me to give back to the community as I can also like relate to things that other people may experience because of my own experiences. And um, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. You did. Thank you so much. Um, I, I think that's really cool. Did you, what is, if you were to, I guess, were you ever, uh, what was one lesson your job has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Is there something like uh, you learned where, whereas, you know, I guess struggling from a mental health standpoint um, about what you should or should not do? Cause as you kind of see people and you just everyone um, you know, you kind of, you kind of have stories that you learn from other people um, especially like their stories. And it kind of makes you wonder about like what they went through. Do you ever kind of like, like, you know, feel, I guess, like, is there any lessons you learned from just kind of hearing their stories and maybe you kind of implement in your own life? Yeah, honestly, working as a crisis intervention consultant, I've come across like so many different types of individuals all coming from different backgrounds. And honestly, everybody's brought something different um, to the table. They've all taught me a different lesson. Uh, one of the things, like one piece of advice, like that I have is like, just in counseling in general, not even crisis intervention work, um, I think it's important for people to recognize that like going and seeking treatment isn't like a sign of weakness. It's actually a strength. And that's something that I tell my friends and family all the time, because I think a lot of people think, oh, you're going to counseling because you have a problem. No, you don't have a problem. You might just want to learn more about yourself and learn more about um like you know personal growth and like how to take the next steps for that i think that's so awesome too because i also have a 
like uh, me personally, I also have a therapist. I recently got off of it. I, I might go back, to be honest with you, because I've been on this weird trend of just writing affirmations every day. So I've been writing like, you know, these things about like what my life is and what I'm grateful for. And I still took, I asked you that question. When you have like a mentor kind of, like let's say it's your therapist, it's like a loved one, right? Or if it's a friend even, I think like having a mentor kind of like puts you in this state of accountability and you also feel like kind of like you're cared for, right? So um, that like me having my therapist like showed me like, hey, I do have this mentor. They'll always be there for me. But I kind of wanted to be able to be more independent. And based off of that, I kind of, to this day, I still write the affirmations. I still wake up in the morning. I do meditation for five to 10 minutes before I go for my morning workout or so not. And it's kind of hard. But at one point in time, when you do it 30, 40, 50, 60 times, it really does change your life. And I think just it gives you a better point of view because there were like when I was younger or a few months ago, even I used to, you know, say certain words or certain things that would trigger other people. I was un, I was not very uh, like, you know, I was, but not in every aspect of my life. So I think now like I'm more comfortable with who I am and um, I can take people's opinion and kind of make it a better version of myself, but I could care less about if someone's giving me a criticism that will not well, that will not judge my character i kind of see like try to see it from their point of view and if it makes no sense then oh well like, you know like sometimes you may just not will get along with someone but i always try to say hi to everybody or anyone if i see them in the hallway it could be kind of like a sign of like being a little socially awkward but i feel like you need to break that barrier with humanity nowadays to really understand someone's situation so saying hello doesn't yeah it's awkward but at the end of the day like you could just say hello and if you know like they're not their opinion doesn't matter to you it's fine you say hello to the next person and hopefully the third or fourth person will say hello back right so yeah i do it's my recipe for networking actually and every time it's successful so that's what i do and you're right like we're all like kind of living in like our own bubbles nowadays so it's nice of you to make that like first move and actually try to in like engage in a conversation with someone you know but um something you brought up you said that you do meditation every day Yes, I do. How has that been for you? It has been uh, a ride because I feel like it's almost therapeutic and psychedelic at the same time because I feel like when you, when people say meditation, you envision yourself closing your eyes, being the best version of you. I see myself closing my eyes and having the best wedding for myself in some weird way. Um, And eventually it was so funny because it started out as a joke. And I was like, this is not going to work. And it's just going to be a wedding, whatever. And now I actually don't think about that wedding. I think about life. And I think about something that was like a joke ended up becoming something very beautiful. And now I think about more like in-depth stuff, like what is going on with the world? How can I give back to the world? Uh, What nonprofit organizations are out there that can can help give back to the world? Um, And I also think about like, like how like, my parents are getting older and how I should support my parents and family and things like that, that matter to me versus something materialistic. But that only that those thoughts only came when I practice it for 20 to 30 times. And I'm on my, right. Currently I'm on my 50th day right now that it really yeah. is. Yeah. Con- of consistent meditation at like five in the morning. I'm on that day right now that it's really opening my eyes to doors and allowing me to get out of bed and to like, 
explore the world rather than active, be more active and present rather than be in my head and in the clouds and of what ifs and what, what, what if statements, right? Like what if this happens, what if that happens? I'm not more about what ifs anymore. I'm more about just presently living in the moment and kind of just being myself and just kind of like being like, you know, able to kind of consciously like talk to someone and see what they're currently doing. Um, and when you're in that, that space, you're very productive but you're also, you get shit done in a way where it's not stressful to your mental. When I used to work out, I used to be really stressed out because I would work out for like three hours and mentally I wasn't there, but now mentally I'm there. And it's so crazy because now I talk about like different body parts, biceps, what to work out. But afterwards, when I go see my friends and stuff, I'm not thinking about the workout. I'm mentally hanging out with my friends. So my, I'm able to stay current in my, the moments that I used to before struggle with because I would be stuck in the past and the future. So like now I'm more current in the moments. Wow. And props to you because meditation is hard. It is difficult Absolutely. to get your mind to focus on something. It's no, really and hard to still. It's really hard. I know. And I've tried to meditate in the past and it's honestly like I can do it for five or 10 minutes. Well, I try to, but your mind wanders, but it's hard to actively like try to bring your mind back into thinking about, either like nothing or whatever. I don't know if you do guided meditations or if you do. I do. Uh, you do guided. Yeah. I prefer guided because it's a little bit easier because it's like telling us what to do next. And yeah, that helps. And and did I tell you about the different kinds of meditations there are? Like there's guided, but I do try to tap my waters into higher levels because I always think of improving myself. So once the guided meditation becomes stagnant, I try to force myself to move to the next level, which is more like positive thoughts, positive meditations, maybe fun meditations, maybe meditations before I go to sleep. So, or like I try to, but it doesn't end up always in that realm, but I try to do that. But, um, you know, that's, that's my forte. Do you also practice any daily rituals that can affect your morning or your, your, just the start of your day? Cause everyone has a shitty day. Like, Today was very bad outside, but somehow mentally I was very good inside. So, you know. Yeah, no. Um, so I've been trying to get into meditation, but I am I have to, again, I'm giving you so much credit because meditation is difficult. And I've told myself that I need to get on this and I haven't been able to hold myself accountable for it. And I need to do that. I'm probably going to start, I think my school is starting this week. So I think I'm going to try to implement like five minute meditations, they always say like to do like three minutes, five minutes as you're starting because it is incredibly difficult and just putting that into your daily schedule, it'll help you ease into it. And you can start doing like five, 10, 15 and work from there. But um, in terms of my daily rituals, I think that I've recently been better at incorporating like a little bit of like deep breathing um, in the morning, at least. Um, that just helps me because I'm someone who experiences a lot of anxiety that just helps me like kind of you know, stay grounded um, before the day starts. Um, just like still learning more about breath work though. So I'm not, I'm so not. Is yeah. your, I guess like the, the type of anxieties I have are more based on like situations of what ifs, but when I'm living through the moment, I also have like this moment where I'm like, kind of like, I, I draw blanks and I kind of let everything, I freeze up and I let everything kind of ride to my face but then what i do to calm myself down is like after like this moment has passed like stop focusing in the past is your anxiety kind of based on the freezing up or is it usually like a build-up of just like your day and like what you're gonna do like how does it 
how which one is it because I, I feel like people have different kinds right yeah yeah so I get like a lot of situational anxiety obviously so depending on whatever situation has occurred like I might be like thinking too much about it overthinking um what ifs or just like going back and being like oh my god why did I do that like you yeah. know dwelling on the past um and it's I don't know if I'm going to answer your question properly, but like I have that. And then I also, um, I'm just like an anxious person in general. So like sometimes it can come from like, okay, like if like before going on this podcast, like I was like, Oh, I don't know what I'm really like signing myself up for. I don't know how it's going to be. So I, like I felt a little bit yeah. nervous and just like in class and stuff as well. Like when it comes to like speaking in front of the whole class and whatnot, um, I get anxious and it's just like, I, over the years, I've just had to like learn how to recognize what is causing my anxiety and then kind of just talk myself in, um, talk to myself in those situations to kind of help de-escalate my anxiety. Um, I was also, we were talking about meditation and I wanted to bring up uh, Vipassana, Vipassana yoga, Vipassana meditation. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. But what is it? What about? So I don't know. There's like... Vinyasa? Are you talking about no. vinyasa yoga? No, no, no. Sorry, vipassana meditation. Vipassana meditation. Yes. Look it up. Look it up. Um, if dhamma.org like comes up, click on that. It's really cool. So I've been looking into that uh-huh. because they have like 10 day, 11 day meditation retreats that you can go to and they're donation based. So you don't even have to pay um unless you want to. Um, and they provide like the, the meals for you. But those 10 or 11 days, I, I heard that you're not able to talk to anybody. Like you're straight up just learning about meditation. And it's really intense. But people are experiencing. Sounds like, sounds like a mini J. Sounds like a mini J. Shetty class. Like, you know, when he went to like, India, and he meditated like a monk, but it sounds like a very uh. small portion of it. But just for the viewers, let me read the like what it is. And then I will, we can continue. I want the viewers to know too, like what it is, because you brought up a very interesting like kind of practice and I'm actually interested to know. So Vipassana meditation, Vipassana, which means to see things as it is one of India's most ancient techniques of meditation. It was taught in India more than 25 years ago, which is insane as a universal remedy or for universal ills and the art of living for those who are not familiar with Vipassana meditation, introduction of Vipassana by, by Mr. Gonenka, Gonenka, I don't know how to say his name. Do you know who this guy is? G O E N K A. How to pronounce that? I, Gonka, Gonka. Yeah. Wow. Okay, but it's basically for the viewers. It's a course where you can take. It's taught in the ten-day residential courses, as Shivani said. During which participants learn the basics of the method, practice sufficiently to experience its beneficial results. There are no charges for the courses. Not even. Wow, there's no charges either? Wow. Not even to cover the cost of food? Whoa, we're fed? Hmm, seems like it's like a free gig. It's kind of good. All expense, expense are met by donations from people who have, who, who and having completed a course and experienced the benefits of Vipassana, which wish, wishes to give others the community to also benefit. So there's a lot about giving, it seems like. Yeah. It's a community. Well, so when you have time and you can look through like the courses and locations, you're going to be able to see that there's a lot of these programs going around across the United States. So the fact that they're all like 
all expenses are like paid for and they're covered by like donations from people who have completed the courses. That's kind of crazy because that yeah. means that people really like they had some sort of experience for them to come back and donate to this organization, you know? Yeah. And not, not only that, but I'm like, as I'm listening to you and I'm reading this, they're also taught in prison. So like people who are in jail and stuff can actually do this too. And it kind of changed their lives maybe seek an earlier sentence out of jail for doing something like, you know, they shouldn't have, but it's just really cool to know that it is offered. It is there. It's a solution. And I think uh, maybe I'll send a link when I, you know, I, uh, I, once this podcast is done and we market this thing to people that it would really benefit them. Um, I think this would be, this would be a cool idea. Yeah. So did you check, did you already try this or you're, you're meaning to try it? No, um, I actually just heard about this from um, someone that I recently spoke to who had done this a couple years back. Um, their father had recommended that they go to this program and they went for 10 days and they said it was a pretty intense program. And they said by like day five, they were actually able to experience that uh, meditation that gave them that natural like body high. And I don't know, that just sounds so cool. And I feel like based on all the positive things that they had to say about the program, I'm like down to try it. I don't know if I can go without talking for so long because if people, people who know me know I talk so much. So not being able to talk to anybody at all besides like your teachers, um, that's going to be difficult. But again, I don't know about this program fully. I've just heard about it through a friend. So I don't know uh, what exactly it will be like but I've heard good things from the one person that I did talk to <laughs> and it's enough enough good things for me to go and like debate whether or not I should go in December right no I think it'd be an awesome retreat and it's also end of the year too so apparently like you know I'm Jane so right now we're doing Perusian which is like an eight-day fast which is a tie <laughs> um in this a tie a, a tie probably butchering my Gujarati heritage right now but a tie uh, you, we basically fast and kind of detox for all our sins this year and kind of ask for forgiveness if we've harmed anyone or hurt anyone. Um, that part of me, the other half, I'm actually Hindu too, which most people know. So um, I think it's really cool because it's almost like a detox. So December is a great month to do it. Um, and you can start the year fresh rather than, you know, wondering about like what your next year plan is going to be for New Year's or all that. Because I feel like all that stuff is great and all, but I feel like if you can kind of master your mind, and maybe take someone that you care about with you. Um, it would be great to kind of like, you know, um, really try this practice out. And then you can tell people about it, right? Even if it's good or bad. I think like a realistic opinion of it will help people that really need it. And even if it's not a good experience, you can also be honest about it and be like, hey, like, it wasn't my thing. So, uh, but that's, that's great. That's great. This is going really well. Uh, I do have more questions. I just want to make sure I ask them in their way. So uh, when it comes to kind of giving back, do you kind of focus on any kind of um, organization or any kind of, uh, you know, are you are, like, you know, any kind of like giving back kind of thing? Are you big on acts of service? Um, you know, because that, that also helps my, personally for me, like that helps me kind of like get through the day, uh, especially when I see like people, um being happy like when I go when I went to Newark before and kind of served at these soup kitchens and stuff um it made people's day right and it also helps my mental health because I'm like all right I've helped somebody get through their day right so um are you like focused on that at all right now are you working on anything like that or 
Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, if you just think about anyone studying to be a counselor who or who is like a counselor or therapist, um, their goal is to be there for people, right? It's to be of assistance, to be of support. And I think uh, just being a counselor and therapist in general is just a rewarding job because your whole life is practically dedicated to service because you're serving others, right? And I feel like in my crisis work that I do, I'm also serving my fellow peers at UF because uh, I work for University of Florida's like housing department. Um, and like we go uh, assist students who live on campus or off campus on U UF affiliated housing. Um, so yes, I do love doing service work. Um, I do a lot of advocacy work as well. Um, particularly doing advocacy work for mental health awareness, working on like destigmatizing therapy. I've also like spoken, I've done like public speaking at like some nonprofit organizations and usually the topics that I talk about or even write about because I've done articles as well. Um, they surround like the topics around like the need for mental health awareness, um, trauma projection, communication and things along those lines. Um, growing up, I did a lot of volunteer work as well, but ever since so ever since I was younger I wanted to help I wanted to make a difference right but as I grew older it was really cool because before I was kind of just like all over the place trying to find like what can I help what can I do what like how can I help others right and now it's like oh no this is my thing I love mental health work I love being a counselor like I love doing my crisis intervention job I love advocating for mental health awareness so I've kind of found my like area of service you know so typically, let's say if somebody was kind of going through something, how do you kind of assess like their, I guess, their state of mind almost? Because I, I guess in a sense where it's like kind of, you know, helpful to kind of just see like where they're coming from. Um, well, yeah, you have to, it's important to listen to what they're saying. You have to actively listen, not listen to just respond. You want to make sure that you're picking up on nonverbal cues along with like the like inflection in their voice. Um, there's a lot of things. You have to kind of just remember that there are multiple moving parts and right. you have to pay attention to each part to figure out what exactly is going on and how you can uh, be the best um available like resource for that individual right because like sometimes you could be like very positive but like let's say you're not connecting with that individual right it's hard to just be constantly like hey like feel better hey like your day's going really well hey you know this is your strengths and your weaknesses but it's almost like how do you like get like i guess open up right because that's an art almost so i think that just happens with um with time, you have to build rapport with your patients, um, your clients. Um, in crisis intervention work, it's a little bit different because um, crisis intervention is just like you're, you don't have the time to m know that person from multiple sessions from before or anything. You're kind of just thrown into a uh, situation um, with limited information and you're just kind of there to help provide that like, that I guess that support in that moment, whatever we can do in that moment. In, in counseling, it's just building rapport, getting to know the individual, having them become more comfortable. And as they become more comfortable with you, they become more vulnerable. And it's just kind of like a process from there. And it depends. It depends on 
every individual and it depends on the counselor too because every counselor has like a different personality and sometimes different personalities can um like when they're interacting they can either quickly mesh or it might take some time and that's why also like whenever you are like this is just advice for anyone uh whenever you are searching for a counselor and if you're searching for one now or in the future, just keep in mind that not every counselor is going to be the same and every counselor is going to have a different personality. So you kind of have to go yeah. shopping for the one that you're, you feel the most comfortable with the one that you feel like, um, matches well with, um, your personality or meshes well with you. Uh, no. And the reason I asked that question is because, uh, I actually had a there. Uh, so when I had a, my first therapist, um, it, <laughs> And him didn't really get along really well. Uh, no distract to him, but um, it was just mainly like he would ask me questions and I would just kind of open up. And it was just kind of like a question and answer kind of thing. It was no, it was kind of like a serious tone. It was more like, hey, try this, try that. Um, and the empathy was kind of lacking, I would say. So mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't connecting, but actually I got a female therapist and not to say female or male or better than each other. But when I had a female therapist, I tended to open up more um, also they, that person was just very empathetic, had a lot of expression, kept asking me questions. I don't want to answer. It was almost like I was struggling to answer because I knew there was something really wrong with me answering them. And it was a hard question to answer because they would ask me about something I'm going through and they would deep dive into like, how does that make you feel? And I would just be like, well, I don't want to answer this. And they'd be like, okay, sure. But then they would go to something else that's related to that same time. Be like, well, how does that affect you? Like, they would and ask me in a way where it still would lead to the same feeling of an answer. And I felt like at one point I just started hysterically crying. And this me just being vulnerable, like on the therapy session. But like, no, that's cool. You know, yeah, no, but I'm just saying, hysterically crying because I realized that this is what I was trying to avoid. So that being said, kind of understood like what I was upset about. But like, it was so hard to get out because I didn't know what exactly was. So I guess kind of like being a hard counselor, but for your patients or to open up is very important because you can't always be rosy at the end of the day. You have to be like firm and keep asking them those things because if you don't, I don't think anyone else will. Um, and that's why there's so many like mental health programs too. Like I work for a nonprofit organization right now, the Federal Reserve, and we have a mental health uh, line as well. And uh, a lot of people go through it from all classes and sizes and ages. Uh, and I think like, it's really helpful because um, not only in us, but like in the Brown community, especially the Indian South Asian community, um, we're taught to like live this lavish lifestyle or just like to attain all these goals and status quotes and everything like barrier, like as life hits us. But like we were told in the beginning, we can't have a girlfriend until like we're like 25, 21, 22. And when you're then, ready for marriage when you're ready for marriage and then yeah. the girl side she can't let's be real i'm being very honest here she can't have intercourse or do anything since the day of marriage right from a parent's parental perspective so just to make this a little spicy it's kind of, it's just true right so right. as the community we struggle to like feel comfortable in our own skin and bang i hit the nail on the coffin here like you know like that's why like it's like so hard for us to be a community but at the same time, we're a community because of the cultural affiliations. I don't know if we're fully a community in all aspects. You know, it's it's hard in general. So, Yeah, I guess 
being raised in South Asian cultures, we're kind of like kept to keep, uh, kind of taught to keep our feelings to ourselves and not really express our emotions. So it is difficult. And I think that's, um, that could, and correct me if I'm wrong, that could have been the, one of the reasons that it was difficult for you to open up in your therapy sessions as well, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of like, once I understood like what it was wrong, what was the issue, I kind of capitalized and I kind of actually like fought it back. And I'm very like, that's not an issue in my life anymore at all. Like I'm, I'm, oh, good. I'm more than good. It's completely gone. It's healed. Um, but for me to ever realize that was the issue, that only one person to this day is the reason why I'm like good. Um, I guess I would say like there was actual exponential growth versus everyone else I've encountered where they will speak to you, but they won't really get to know you or get the time to know you. And I guess everyone wants something in return, but nobody is selfless. So I think I'm trying to practice being more selfless than um, like selfish, if anything, like even like from this, right? Like this podcast or anything else, if I have a motto, motto to have something in the background, yeah, I do get something out of it. But I think it's also about like kind of seeing yourself in their shoes and they're just kind of just being like, hey, like, you know, your worst enemy is like, just you chase you chasing that someone you're not right so that's just like your worst enemy ever i think that you pretending like you're this like that you're someone because of a status quo or like popularity or something like you need to at one point like kind of come to terms with who you are and then build off of that because when you build it that person can be so freaking authentic and so unique it's gonna be so hard that human being because they're so comfortable in their own skin right and I've seen that as i got older I just, and i'm getting there too actually so i'm very happy with my progress but going back to you uh do you think since you're also already a mental health counselor do you think you having a therapist is also important because you also have to account for yourself right just because you're a mental health counselor doesn't mean you're like god that like, you also know a lot of things that you deal with too right so like do you feel right counselors should also have like you know help and guidance and stuff well i think it's important for counselors to make sure that they're implementing self-care into their daily routine or yes. their, like, just in their life in general um i think that depending on where you are in life and uh what situations um uh, you're coming across, like counseling can be very beneficial. I know that there are certain counselors that specialize in counseling counselors. And because we're at the end of the day, we're hearing a lot of heavy um, information as well. You know, people are telling us um, very deep uh, things related to trauma. And it can be hard for us to, uh, like, not let that affect our daily lives as well. So we need to go and talk to supervisors or other counselors that we're seeing so that we're able to better help our community, you know? Do they do they recommend you to read any kinds of books to kind of like understand any methodologies or anything like that for your, I guess, like your work, the line of work you do, like any, uh, any three books that are like official, you know how there's like methods of like how to kind of uh, like, you know, just deal with like social, like social like dilemmas and different things. I feel like there's like different, uh, methods right like um affirmations like savers if you don't know like you know just like from books right. read a lot of books like that can help your i guess like your your self-care habits right and so 
in terms of crisis intervention consulting, um, we had modules and we were prepared um, through training. Right. Um, as this is something that I've just like, it's relatively, it's not new, but I started, um, I joined the team back in January and I started counseling school back in August, 2021. So this is my second year going into the program, but counseling school in general is just teaching us this, right? right. It's all of our textbooks. We also have additional books that we read. Um, they're, they're all talking about different um, ways, like different, I guess, techniques to use in therapy, different theoretical orientations to keep in mind, um, different uh, like self-care activities that we can incorporate into our daily schedules. And our, um, our professors are really good about that as well. They're really good about um, telling us or emphasizing how important self-care is. Right. So I've been very fortunate, but in terms of specific books, textbooks, um, most of my reading has been done from like textbooks and articles that our professors have given us. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know them off the top of my head right now. And to be, the reason I asked you is because like, it's good because it helps, it helps to recommend to my audience because, you know, my audience is mainly like mental health uh, advocacy and all that stuff. So I think it would help my audience. For me personally, I was never the kid that actually grew up reading. I hate reading. My brother, he's a freaking phenom at reading. He can read all day, every day. With me, I grew up kind of being a visual learner and reading articles and things that helped me get through my day. Experiential learning too? Yeah. Probably. Learning, right? Learning through experiences. Yes. (laughs) And it's just helped me because trial and error are the reasons why I'm here today. Uh, And I think like it's one of those things where like I learned because someone else was in my shoes and they kind of messed up and I kind of had to learn from them or I learned from me messing up. And then I learned like what to do, what kind of friends to be around like toxic, toxicity, toxic people or toxic places in general. Um, so I'm a really big believer in energies and stuff too. Like even like my favorite three movies to watch in my spare time is like hustle by Adam Sandler. Um, that's a new one that just came out with the NBA player. It was basically like I thought of it. So the movie was mainly about like a basketball player that was in a different country and he was he was Spanish. And I just thought about like his mental health. Like, how does he feel about being in the NBA and playing basketball? And like all these people are mocking him, his language, his poor background, his mom and his son that like are near poverty. And Adam Sandler was a coach. But he also got like kicked off at one point in the movie too, right? Because he was like the rising coach. He was assistant coach to the team, to the 76ers. And he got kicked out because, you know, um, he wasn't performing or producing or getting players for the team. So when this guy from like a different Spanish country came six feet tall, you know, people rejected him because he didn't have any education. He was just a a person on the streets playing basketball with random people. But um, once he did that, I think like you know it took someone to believe in him and i think that like both of the characters had different kinds of mental health struggles one had the struggle of fulfilling his career but you know he was always doubted the other had a struggle of you know just being from a different country and communicating and you know just playing with all these nba players who talk mad trash about their family right to get to them so you know just i think movies like sometimes inspirational movies like really do a number on you like since i'm interested in basketball i like basketball movies but um yeah no it was a great experience you know i learned a lot from it so 
Yeah, and you were asking about books and stuff. I do have one book that I recently started reading um, that I can, I'm gonna just go grab it real quick, okay? Yeah. Go <laughs> So I don't know if you know, here, let me get closer to the mic. So I don't know if you know about um, attachment styles. Are you familiar with that? Mm, I might've heard of it, but I'm not fully familiar with that. But is it styles of dealing with attachments or? Yeah, what? so it's like understanding like our adult attachment. So there's, um, there's like three, four different uh, attachment styles. So I know like the, the main three are anxious attached, avoidant attached and secure attached. And this book is one that one of my professors recommended and she actually had a book club for it. And I actually really liked it. I've only made it through 90 pages of the book, but it's called Attached, The New Science of Adult Attachment and how it can help you find and keep love. It doesn't necessarily just like benefit us with love it's like more of like a self-help like you learn a lot about yourself as you're reading you learn more about um i guess positive and negative aspects of the way that you i guess um the way your, you carry out your relationships and it doesn't have to be with just like love, like relationships. It can be relationships with family members, friends and everything. So I highly recommend this book if you want to learn a little bit more about yourself and like learn more about your attachment style. And, sure. and if you haven't found a significant other, like it'll help you, uh, What's you know, the book's name and the author. Yeah. It's attached by Amir Levine and Rachel S F Heller. I can send you the link. Um, I'll send you the link after we get off here, but super good book. Yeah. Recommend. I learned a lot about myself and I learned about like the types of people that I was interested in versus the types of people that I need to have a fulfilling, like healthy relationship, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important because, um, when you have, uh, I guess people like when you identify yourself with people that you are interested in genuinely, I feel like your life kind of just takes, uh, positive leap rather than you kind of hang out with people just for association and kind of um level setting yourself almost right because when you level set you're kind of just literally just chilling out on the stretch you're not going down necessarily because you could have like good friends but if your pats and their pats are not really like aligning aligning even if they're a good friend company you guys can go only so far right like you they don't like to travel and you like to travel while you're like kind of here right but if they like yeah. to Oh, and you have to see like Peru while you're like up here. So yeah, I'm sure. And, weird hand yeah. Hand, but it's like, you know, he's doing some hand movements here. <laughs> yeah, Two rivers has avatar. Yeah. No, but um, yeah. But yeah, that's what it is. Um, but you know, it, 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 it's something that I, I, uh, I think it's really helpful to know, you know, cause I think books are, have a lot of knowledge. And I, I mean, you can't read all of them over one day, but if, there was anyone that can you read like four or five a year i think it's really just helpful to like regain like old knowledge right so it's really helpful to do that um Absolutely. yeah is there anything is there anything you want to ask me i was gonna okay so one question you've been pretty good about huh i have to be interesting somewhat no yeah long. you've been <laughs> You've been like putting in a lot of things. I'm learning a lot about you through this podcast in itself. So it's been really nice. Good. Um, 
really? Sweet. There was a couple of things that I wanted to mention, and then we just go from one topic to another. So I haven't been able to like say like I've been thinking them, but I haven't been able to say it. But when you're talking about how you're on this like path to like be of service to others and help others and like you know just be truly selfless, I think that from my limited interactions that I've had with you, you seem to radiate that type of energy. Do you know what I mean? Like I've seen you from my few conversations with you as being a very thoughtful, helping, uh, helpful and caring individual. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this um, collab with you. I wanted to do this podcast is because like I see your purpose and I, um, and I really dig it. Yeah. No, for lack of better words, I dig it. No, thank you. I mean, I I absolutely Saudi too. And your, your purpose too. Um, no, that being said, like, I've always had a vision to kind of assist someone. I kind of wanted to always leave, have an impact and be kind of a figure for myself. Um, and I think, like, the best way to give is to, like, kind of assist other people with their habits and habitual practices. Um, and that's why I kind of had you on because I know you have a voice. You've also done Miss India, Florida, which is also awesome to know. And I feel like little girls were waking up every day trying to dream about that, right? to have even been successful at it, I think it's a big step up, right? Also, because, like, I, I don't know, depending on ethnicity and stuff, people feel um, kind of, like, they're not, right? they're not good enough to do it. Well, right. I think one of the reasons why I had even joined, by the way, thank you for everything that you were saying about me. Um, but, yeah, no, one of the reasons I even joined um, – the pageant in the first place was because I think that there is a severe need for more representation, especially for members of our community. I think growing up, we were watching Disney Channel and um, Nickelodeon, and we weren't seeing representation, right? It was hard for us to relate to characters because they were honestly predominantly white, right? So... I think that's really important. And I think um, it's really nice that there is even an opportunity for us to even compete in a pageant. Like Miss India, Florida was like, it's for Indian girls, you know, I think that's a great opportunity. And um, I never even saw myself as a pageant girl, to be honest with you. I didn't think I was a pageant girl by any means. And in fact, I was like pretty skeptical about like pageantry in general. And I saw it more of like a beauty competition or something you kind of went into if you wanted to be a model or in that industry, right? But when I learned to understand what pageantry actually stood for, I became more interested in in it. And I possibly like, or like seeing like myself possibly even um, competing in it because I saw women that were around like my age um, accomplishing so much and some were even younger than me. And I thought like, if they're able to balance so many great things and work for so many causes that they were passionate about, like, why not me, right? Like I can do that too. And by the time I even decided on entering it, um, the Miss India Florida competition, I like had already been doing a lot of mental health advocacy work in, in the South Asian community. And I saw it as a way for me to gain a better platform to continue to advocate for the causes that I was passionate about, along with being like a role model to like young South Asian girls who are in need of like this representation that I was talking about. And I think, I think even to add to your point, I think young South Asian women even or girls I think they don't also emphasize the um, ability of I would say like you know just like just in general like uh, 
like those practice at such a young age because to them it's like oh we have toys we have this and the guys always get like the best of the shit right like the the video games and fitness but why can't girls also get that too right why can't girls also get a cool a cool fitness uh practices and stuff i think i think it's like as a girl you're always raised to be like kind of like playing dollhouse and stuff and then you always have that crossover when you're older like you're a tomboy and a girl right so i think it's cool to just have have like diversity or variety in who you are i don't think we should segregate by men and women i think we should teach them everything like i have a friend who is really into soccer and whether if he has a girl or a guy that girl is definitely going to learn soccer because he wants to be a soccer dad right and i think it's awesome to show whoever the child is that he's in a, ju- a zone of not being judged based on however he is in the world right because from the day you're born it kind of put in this like weird niche of i don't know like expectations and i think that's, yeah no you're hitting some great points about like gender stereotypes and how we're kind of like from a young age we're just once we're assigned a gender we're like okay girls like this boys like this that's like the gender stereotype toys and gender stereotyped activities that go along with it and we need to work on breaking those as well because we shouldn't like confine children just to those um limited um exactly and like yeah and like even like and i'm just giving out random examples here but girls who play twitch right like they they're making thousands if not hundreds of dollars right even if they're a really big twitch video gamer right Mm -hmm. i watched i played video games when i was younger I haven't played one in eight months, which is still kind of like a while back. But like, you see, like there's a girl that's amazingly beautiful that can do everything she wants, or woman, and she discovered this when she got older. Now imagine if she was a young child star, had that ability, knew that was the thing she was she could do. That was her niche. She would have been amplified in her talent, right? For example, like my brother is very good at reading because at a early age he picked that up, right? And then same with the girl, but I'm saying like, he's really got soccer too. Cause we put him in soccer. But the thing is like most women or females and stuff are not put into that category. And it's just frustrating to me because if I ever have a daughter or, you know, a son, I want them to experience different things. Like I want them to kind of be able to take care of themselves. And I, I, I me personally, I'm always attracted to people who are, have a purpose in life, not just like one to go party, have a beer, drink tequila. Like I like doing that too. Yes. I have tequila. But aside from just tequila shots and going to these big events that I normally go to because of, you know, just life, I think it's also important to have your own um, drive and your own ability to kind of put an impact in the world rather than just live and live off just, you know, things. But yeah, you know, gender stereotypes really do piss me off sometimes. (laughs) Yes. And like, I feel, I guess like, prepping for pageants and like learning more about pageantry like I feel like it's not fair because there are like like boys that want to do pageants as well you know or people who are like transgender who want to do pageants and like some depending on the pageant system they don't allow that um I really admire I think it's the I think it's Miss Universe the Miss Universe um yeah, the Miss Universe organization, I believe, don't quote me, um, allowed one, I think, I don't remember which country it was, but they they have it open so that like transgender women can enter as well. And I think that's amazing because they did have one. Uh, so, um, 
Yeah, they had a transgender woman and it was amazing. It was amazing. She's beautiful. Huh? Yeah. No, that's a sick contest. I would definitely watch just cuz just to see like, you know, I would love to see like them like compete, watch the show too, but I would love to see the, you know, the just hey, like, you know, it's not awkward. Let's not make this awkward. Let's just be positive. Embrace it. Embrace like, it. As long as like, you know, I- I think it's important to just kind of embrace whatever you see, right? Because everyone on this, we were living on a rock that's floating in space. It is weird as it is, if you ask me. So, you know, just seeing that show. And I've been to a drag show, actually. I've been to Cambodia with a few friends, and I went to a drag show before. It was freaking phenomenal. And they could do stuff that most people couldn't. So, you know, just wearing these and just kind of doing their own thing. It's interesting. Yes. Oh, and it is Miss, the Miss Universe organization. And um, it was Miss Spain in 2018. So Miss Spain um, was Angela Ponce and she was transgender. I just think that's amazing. Amazing. Angela Ponce? Mm-hmm. Wow. She's so pretty, yeah. isn't she? Yeah, she's a Spanish model and beauty pageant title holder who won Miss yeah. Universe in 2018. I'm, so proud. I'm proud of the organization for even like, for allowing um this they're inclusive they're loving like that's amazing yeah and they she also see like she also she also has the miss world cad cadiz 2015 title as well they what she has another title as well oh i didn't even know miss world she was miss world 2015 oh she was Look- oh wow! So she represented in, um, I guess Miss the Miss World organization is also um, inclusive. Yeah. That's so nice. No, it is. It is. Yeah. So she won for Spain actually for Miss World. Yes. So she she represented Spain in Miss World in 2015, and she represented Spain in Miss Universe in 2018. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. So you know, it goes to show, like, just because off your gender, you're kind of based on one thing, but it's not end of the world. You know, I just kind of. No. So, you know, yeah. the world kind of rejects you. It shows that she kind of didn't give a flying crap about that. She went for what she wanted, and that's good. And I'm yeah. glad that our world Not is... Not many people make it. Not many people make it. No. No. It's hard. But yeah. yeah. But um, awesome. So could I ask you an icebreaker? It might be, like, so left field. But I think it's cool because it, like, gives people perspective of who you are as a person. And it's kind of fun. So... Okay, let's go for it. If you won $10 million tomorrow, what the heck would you spend it on? Okay. Um, let's see. So I would first, so I'm in the process of creating my nonprofit that I've been like so excited to do for the past like year or two, but I've just, I wanted to be able to give my like full undivided like attention and like um, work put into this. So I was like pushing it off until now, um, until after like the uh, national pageant descended. Um, but yeah, so I would first like just get that up and running, try to find a way to do that. Like whatever the costs are, take care of them because uh, my nonprofit, I think among you and I talked about this a while ago. Um, you mean two minutes ago? Two, yeah, like a couple hours ago. And uh, we were talking about it and it's, it's around, um, I didn't get to tell you what it was about. So I guess, this is perfect. Let's do it. Um, yeah, so it's about um, raising, like, working on 
raising mental health awareness in our South Asian community, working on destigmatizing therapy, providing resources to our community members. And what I, I don't know if I want to share this, but maybe later in another podcast episode, but um, there's some like specific things that I want to do and it's going to cost a lot of money. So I was waiting, I was going to wait until like, I was able to get like the funds to uh, do this and like do it properly. Um, but I guess with the $10 million, I would do that right away. Okay. And I'm sorry, I'm being kind of vague, but no, that's cool. That's good. Cool. It's like when I, when I get it up and running and like, when I plan this out a little bit better, I would want to share it then. Maybe you could buy me a podcast studio. So I don't have to record from my bedroom. That'd yes. Be- <laughs> I will. And we're good. I'll give you that. You could give the 9.8, whatever it is. I could just record from like a place. 9.8. I feel like 200K is a lot for a podcast studio, no? Yes, but it's also $9.8 million a lot for a nonprofit organization too. That's true. That's true. And I guess if we're talking about it, like, oh, never mind. I don't even know what I was going to say. No, that's cool. Um, also, another icebreaker. Do you want to do, do this icebreaker? Sure. Okay. Okay, wait. I'm trying to see which one's a cool one. Wait, wait, wait. What would you do with the 10 million? Oh, okay. Uh, what I would do with the 10 million, I would invest in mutual funds, like a boring brown person. Wait- this is your business side. Yeah, but okay. Nah, I'm just joking. I would invest in 10 million. 10 million. I would buy myself my. So, the first people I would do something for, forget me. It would be my parents. I'd buy all my parents like Tesla's I would boost all their 401ks their pension plans. So I don't have to ever worry about my family. Cause you know, I could pay off the house, whatever the tech it is. The other like 3 million ish, I would probably put in like a ETF or something like that, which is a mutual fund stock like Fang. So Fang is known for like uh, Facebook, Apple, um, Fang, uh, AMD. Uh, I forgot the end. What was it? and then google right so it's it's a bunch of uh like you know, like it it's an etf for it so obviously like you know over time i'm a big advocate of technology i feel like that would be a great investment and the last three million i would kind of just save it for um just kind of spending it on my podcast on my maybe hiring photographers videographers doing some blogging doing some life soul searching yeah. maybe going on a yosemite trip like i i did my own solo trip recently uh, Yosemite in California so that was really cool but I wish I had some photographer following me around like a you know like my right hand man or woman or woman and kind of just like seeing like the stuff I went through and maybe seeing like the people we met the animals we came by uh, what we did on our time off and just kind of goofed around and like kind of saw like how the nature aspect of things were um, and you, you know I would just like kind of just make a storyline for myself which would be kind of cool um, but yeah, pretty simple. I wouldn't go ham and try to, you know, do something reckless with it. But yeah, yeah. what else can I do with 10 million? It's 10 million. There's, there's so much. Just take care of your family, invest if you need to. Yeah. Get, donate to the causes that you're passionate about. Try to, you know, but I would love hey, who knows? Maybe you and I are going to go to this meditation retreat and we're going to know like, okay, a million goes there because we are going to have this life-changing experience there. <laughs> you never know. We could have that million dollar personality. 
you know, do something amazing, have an idea, start like an event planning company, never know. And then bam, you just have a million dollars, you know? So that'd be really cool. Um, is there any last words you would like to say for the podcast? I know you're planning on most likely coming up again for a second episode for your second time. So I feel like we covered a lot of ground today, which is really nice to kind of get a character on who you are. Um, but if you have any last thoughts, let us know or let me know and you know, whoever's listening. So Yeah, I think we went uh, all over the place today, but it was really fun. And I'm really excited um, for the next time we do uh, a recording together. And I really appreciate you having me on in general, because I am always looking for a way to, you know, um, spread my spread the messages that I want to spread. And I am very thankful for the platform that you're providing me. Awesome. I appreciate you. And yes. peace. Bye.